Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. All right, well, again, welcome to Rosewood Church. Uh, my name is Austin, and today we are beginning, uh, we are at the beginning of our journey with the likes of Peter, Paul, and the rest of the gang through the letter of Acts. And um, what we're going to be, what we're going to be doing actually for the rest of the summer, uh, for the next three months, is we're going to journey together through the incredible events that take place and are accounted in the book of Acts, uh, which tells the story of Jesus's earliest followers who are trying to make sense of life and ministry and mission uh, without Jesus, like literally physically uh, by their side. And, um, so we are going to spend, like I said, about three months, and, and we aren't even going to finish it. Uh, we're going to get through chapter 15 of Acts by the end of the summer. And then, uh, so you can just like count your summer away as we go through Acts. No, don't do that. And uh, we'll get to that point. Then we'll pause. We're going to go back in time a little bit into the Old Testament. And we'll, we'll pick up on the journey of Acts and finish our journey uh, at a later time. But that's going to be what we're going to be, going to be doing. And, and my intention to today is to, um, while looking at the first chapter of Acts, set us up well to journey the rest of the way. To look at this, the first half of Acts is kind of like a, a recap, and we'll, and we'll get at what, what uh, the author is saying in that recap, and then we'll kind of move ahead into some, uh, some new events that take place. Now, Speaking of that, uh, Acts, I don't want to assume that everyone knows everything about the Bible and how it's all ordered, okay? So uh, the book of Acts was written by the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke. So who wrote Acts? You're sharp. You're sharp. All right. Yes, it was written by Acts. It was er, written by Luke. Yeah, you're sharp. I'm not. Uh, and um, he was writing to the same person that he was writing what we now know as the Gospel of Luke. Uh, he, the same, same person, same, same, same everything. And, and even though if you look in your Bible, you'll find that John is kind of sandwiched in between Luke and, and Acts, uh, those two really read together. It's kind of like we are reading the second volume uh, of that, that Luke wrote. And he will pick up and he will continue right where he left off. In fact, let's Let's start there in the very first verse. Luke says in, in uh, the letter in Acts, he says, In my former book, Luke, uh, Theophilus, the person he's writing to, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, there's one line in here that I want to just kind of zoom in on. Let's not just skip this first part. I know we have the tendency to, right? Like there's two kinds of people in this world, people who read the introduction to books and people who don't. Well, we're kind of in the introduction and there's some good stuff here. So, so just to, to look at one little section here out of Acts 1.1, he says, I wrote 
about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Meaning that everything that is to come in the rest of the book of Acts, the next, the next 28 chapters of Acts, is a continuation of that which Jesus began to do. But not only that, even though Jesus is no longer there in the sense that this is post-ascension, it is still Jesus who is doing the doing and doing the teaching, even though he is not, no longer there. In the past, it was literally him doing the doing and doing the teaching, but now Jesus will continue to do what he began, but his way of doing it will be through the Holy Spirit, through his followers. So Jesus is still on the move, but his mode of operation is the Holy Spirit as he continues the work that he began that we read about in the Gospels. Now, I like the way that N.T. Wright describes the purpose of Acts. It's from his book, Simply Jesus. He says, the letter of Acts is about the church living as a new community, giving allegiance to Jesus as Lord rather than to the kings and chief priests who rule the Jewish world or the emperor or magistrates who rule the non-Jewish world. Which is a, I, I think a good reminder, it's my kind of favorite kind of summation of, of what's really, really happening uh, in the letter of, of Acts. Uh, because one thing I, I don't want us to do, and this is a part of kind of reading it well and applying it well, is that I don't want us to, to miss the forest for the trees. Now, here's, here's what I mean by that, is that if you've read Luke, you, you know this already, but if you haven't, as you read Luke, you will find all of these extraordinary events, these intercessions of, of God. You'll find healings and, and divine speaking and, and uh, just these miraculous events, mass conversions, all of it. Every chapter just feels like there's this other, there's another extraordinary thing happening in the early church. But I don't want to miss the forest for the trees because all of those extraordinary things are outcomes of Jesus coming and planting and growing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Because his kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven, so all of these extraordinary things are occurring that we see in the, gospel, in the, the letter of Acts. But those are all outcomes of this much greater, deeper thing that is happening. So all of those things, they matter. They matter very much. And we are going to spend time on all, on, on all of them. But they are all outcomes of God's kingdom beginning and growing here on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus has begun this work and now he is continuing his work through his spirit and his followers. And so with that in mind, uh, we need to also say one more thing about um, as kind of this preface to uh, the, the letter of Acts as Luke tells it. Uh, in the introduction of Acts, what we see is that the Holy Spirit and the work of the church are inseparable. And we will see this continue through the rest of the book, that the Holy Spirit and the work of the church are 100% inseparable. You cannot think about what the church should or shouldn't be doing while also ignoring the Holy Spirit and the presence of Christ. Then that's not the church. And, and if we, well, it's still a church, it's just a place where everyone's kept super busy, 
We're just busy. We're just working, 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 right? But if we ignore the Holy Spirit and ignore the presence of Christ, we lose our edge. We lose our, our, our purpose and our meaning and our effect. And so the other way, if we cannot, you know, we can think of the presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit, but if we ignore the church or we say, I don't want anything to do with that, then we miss the fact that, that according to Scripture, the, the Holy Spirit lives within us, the temple. We are temples, not, no, not temples, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not individual little temples, there's not just a whole bunch of little temples here, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church and the Holy Spirit are intertwined. You cannot understand one without the other. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit and the missional work of the church from day one and continuing today are united. Jesus makes no separation between these two and neither should we, which dovetails into uh, one last kind of key point for helping us uh, read and approach Acts well, which is that the Holy Spirit is given so that we can go. Like sometimes, well, for, for most people, if I was to ask you, which of the, you know, three persons of God do you understand least? Which of, the, which of the Godhead do you understand least? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Most of us, myself included, would say, I understand the Holy Spirit least. All right. We, for many of us, we don't have this, unless you have gone into a, a more in-depth study of the Holy Spirit, generally that's where we tend to be kind of our lowest in our understanding. And as a result, sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit the way we talk about it and pray and, and all that. We, we kind of treat the Holy Spirit as like this internal hype man to get us pumped up for Sunday morning, right? Or our Bible study. We want to make sure that, that, that our, our spiritual experiences are as high as possible possible, whatever that, whatever that looks like, the most emotionally engaging, most spiritually engaging, all, you know, everything's like Disneyland. That's how we oftentimes look at the Holy Spirit. Now, certainly there are uh, days where you are feeling at your bottom, where you are experiencing that low, you come to church, but you know what it's like, you're just not feeling it, whatever that might be. There are times where you, in seasons of life, where you will experience depression and sadness and, and grief, and the Holy Spirit steps in when we ask into those spaces. The Holy Spirit meets us in those places to reinvigorate our spirit. But the, but the point of the Spirit, as we see it introduced in Acts, uh, and, and as described in Acts, is to enable every person to follow Jesus into the world with strength and boldness to share the good news, to share the good news that there is victory over sin and death, to share the good news of, of eternal life, to share what you have with other people. Now take inventory of just, just of your prayer life. As you think about your common prayers and the things that you, that you so often pray about and, and pray for. And when you invoke the Holy Spirit, how often would you say, is it for you? And versus how often is it spent, are you, do you spend asking for the Holy Spirit for you, for others? 
How often do you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words and the boldness to overcome fear and insecurities about sharing your faith? Now, again, not to pigeon, not to make, have the same problem of pigeonholing the Holy Spirit to say he's only there to do that, that he's not concerned with you in some way. That's not true. But as we see it in the, go- in the letter of, let's just call it the gospel of Acts so that I can stop retracking. The, in, in the letter of Acts, as we see it, the Holy Spirit is given to give this boost to the disciples and all the followers of Jesus to go for the sake of others. Here's one way that you could, that I think is, is fair way of thinking about the Holy Spirit and the way that we invoke the Holy Spirit and the ways that we don't. Um, nutritious food is necessary and good for you and your physical body. And so also is the Holy Spirit good for you. Now, when I was in college and when I ran in college, one thing that surprised me is how controlling my coaches were with what I put in my body. Uh, I had very, I I was required to uh, drink a certain amount of water, and to eat 7,000 calories of nutritious food every day. And if I did that, I would have the energy to, some of you are like, yeah, I know, I eat Cheetos, right? Like, you know what 7,000 calories is like. But no, I'll tell you what, 7,000 calories of nutritious food is not easy to, to do. And so, uh, but, but that was what was necessary for me to get through every workout each day and to maintain like a for me, a healthy 125-ish like running frame to get me through every single day. Now, here's the problem. Uh, at one point, I had an injury that took me out of, of running, like basically doing anything for five months. In those five months, I kept up my 7,000 calories of nutritious food every day. As a result, I gained my freshman 15 my senior year because I, I was taking all of it in, all this good food, good food. It was all kind of coming in, but I wasn't doing anything with it. My body wasn't converting it to energy to, to go out. I was just taking it in and I was just sitting and I think so it is with the Holy Spirit at times where we're, where we're taking in, we're asking for more, for more, for more. But sometimes we ask for more and more and more so that we can just sit and be happy and be comfortable and satisfied. Now, again, the Holy Spirit meets us at our darkest times, our worst times, our, our most horrible, just hellbound times. Yes, but also the Holy Spirit is given for you to go, not to stand still. We'll see that even more next week when we talk about Pentecost. Now, <clears throat> the, um, the first introduction, in fact, that the apostles have to, um, to this, to um, uh, the first, inter- uh, rather, the first introduction that the apostles have, or that we have to the apostles uh, in the, the letter of Acts is uh, just following Jesus's ascension. And they're just following Jesus's ascension. Uh, they are given the same kind of boost and reminder of their outward focus. They're given this challenge to move on. Luke notes that Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a 
cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has uh, been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into earth, go into heaven. So Jesus ascends and everyone's just, you know, turkeys on a rainy day. Do you see that? And, and it takes angels to come down and, 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 <laughs> and say, hey, hey, guys, down here. You're looking up. Yeah, spectacular. He'll come back. He'll come back from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, stop looking up. Look out. Don't just spend your time looking up. Don't just spend your time looking towards the end. You now live, at that point, the the disciples and all the believers are introduced to this in-between time that we still live in today between Jesus' first and second coming. He says, look, in the meantime, look out. Because I've given you a spirit. I I am with you. You do not understand it yet, but you will soon, and we do today. I am giving you this spirit so that you can look out so you can be outward focused looking towards the people in your life that God is drawing you towards who does not have the same kind of relationship with Jesus that you do he is directing us out for some of us today our our working theology still has us like when's it gonna happen is it the end times yet someone said on YouTube it's in June there's always another day Look out. The Holy Spirit is given so that we can be outward focused, just as the disciples are beginning to understand uh, here in this story. And then with that, Luke finishes his recap. Now, and I hope you can see that though this is a recap, it is not some sort of boring like, hey, just in case you missed it, here's the prequel to the sequel, right? No, no, no. It, 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 has, it, it sets up important points about who Jesus is and what he will do and how he will continue to do it in this story to come. And if we don't understand what Jesus is up to through Acts, that it's not this whole new story, but it's a continuation of what Jesus began. Not only will we miss <coughs> what, what God was up to in Acts, but we will miss what the church is called to be up to today, 2,000 years later. Now, this story kind of it reminded me, as I was working on it, it reminded me of, uh, of um, something that happened about two years ago. It was while we were, um, while we still had the mission and values team and we were discerning our mission statement, which eventually became empowered by Christ to reveal his love and and reach our communities. And, um, and while we were working together, um, you know, part of a mission statement, it's got to be short and sweet. Okay, don't ramble on. You got to fit it on a slide, okay? Just, just make it short and sweet. Take, trim off all the fat. And that's hard work to do. It's easy to ramble. I'm a pastor. I get that. And, and so we had to make it nice and short. And at one point, we had the second line and the first line, reveal his love and reach our communities. But we weren't sure how they fit together. And it wasn't until somebody spoke up and they're like, what about God? Is he in there? 
And then we added that first part, that we are empowered by Christ, which today, this post-ascension world that we live in, the way that Christ empowers us is by his Holy Spirit. But we just so missed the Holy Spirit and missed God's work through this. And and I, I bring that up to say, this is the kind of stuff that we constantly have to be reminded of ourselves. Because though Jesus does not separate the Holy Spirit from the work of the church, we do at times. We forget and we get things mixed up and then we realize the next thing we know that, that we're trying to move the church ahead under our own strength. Now, trying to be the church without the Holy Spirit, trying to do all of that to be like the original church, trying to do that is like trying to move a mountain on your own. No amount of leverage is going to get you to move that mountain. Now, faith, through faith, we can move mountains, but Holy Spirit is the one who gives us faith. So without the Holy Spirit, the church is nothing. In fact, I've, um, as I've observed it, uh, there is a surefire yellow flag that I've noticed uh, in churches and groups and in my own life, a, a way that I know that the Holy Spirit and the church are starting to be kind of pulled apart. It's a, it's a warning signal. And it all comes down to prayer. That when you and I and the leadership of this church and the church as a whole, when we begin to neglect prayer in what we do, that is a clear sign that we are trying to be the church without the Holy Spirit, that we might be pulling at that a little harder than we ever should have been. You see, it's, I think it's always, it is always easy, and for that reason, good to always be reminded um, that what we do is in vain if God is not with us, if we are not finding ways to align with that which God is up to. And when we start to neglect prayer, Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's just we, we need to reinvigorate our prayer life, but I have learned to go a little deeper than that at, at times, whether it's with myself or, or with, with us, and to say, okay, if we are starting to neglect prayer in our corporate and, and, and uh, private lives, um, could it be because we are beginning to see ourselves as the ones who are doing all the doing and doing all of the teaching rather than Jesus continuing what he already began. And so take a look at your prayer life. I've told you one way of kind of comparing and contrasting things in your prayer life, but also maybe when I say look at your prayer life, you're like, what prayer life? And to that I would say, are you trying to do that which only God can do through his Holy Spirit? And prayer is that warning sign that things are getting out of whack. In fact, it seems very right then uh, that after Luke finishes his introduction, the first thing that we read is that, or that we read is that all the believers were together in Jerusalem and they all joined together constantly in prayer. And their posture of prayer, which they maintained for days, even though if you read Acts, it just kind of happens in a verse. But they prayed for days. And then after days of praying, Peter is given this inspired word to say, hey, we need to replace Judas. And so 
they get together, continuing to invoke the Holy Spirit to be a part of that leadership choosing process, and they eventually replace uh, Judas. But what happens next does not even compare to that. What happens next is spectacular, and what happens next is called Pentecost, and it's what we're going to look at next week. But for right now, let's just kind of bring it home as a reminder of where we are going with all of this, where God, where God is, is going with all of the, of the letter of Acts. First off, we know that the church is a new community announcing the new king. That is fundamentally what is happening and all the spectacular things are outcomes because the church is a new community announcing a new king. Second, the Holy Spirit and the work of the church are inseparable, even though we will always be tempted to try to separate that and do church under our own weight. And lastly, the Holy Spirit is sent so that we can go. And that is something we will see happen to the disciples next week. Now, reading with these things in mind, we can put ourselves uh, as close as, as possible, at least, in the original setting of Acts, rather than just imposing our own uh, expectations of what Acts ought to say. When we can keep these things in mind, we can read and preserve the the the, the, the exploits of Acts and apply them to our church today. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the men and women that we read of in the book of Acts. God, who just, who, who modeled this, this fearless faith, this uh, anything it takes attitude to spreading your word. God, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to move ahead, and I pray, God, that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to do your work in the ways that you call us to in this day. God, I, I pray that we would, we, would, we would never be found guilty of neglecting your spirit and neglecting your call and your guidance here at this church. Now, that would be nice. But we are imperfect, Jesus. You are the head of this church, but we are your hands and feet, and your hands and feet are broken. We do not always do exactly as you call us to do, but God, thank you for your grace and mercy that you meet us through your resurrection. God, thank you that you forgive us by faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.